Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. Acts chapter 9, top switch on the top one. Acts chapter 9. Okay, is that better? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, is that better? I'm trying to scare anyone half to death. Is that okay? Okay, Acts chapter 19. Oh, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Acts chapter 19 in your Bible. Oh, it's good to be in the house of God this morning. And, and uh, a question was asked in Sunday school class. And the question was asked, um, you know... Why don't we have the gifts of the Spirit today? Like, I mean, we do have the gifts of the Spirit, but the, the sign gifts of the Spirit. Why don't we have the miracles and all that type of stuff? Because when those sign gifts were operational, people were converted, thousands were saved. That's not completely true. We think that, but that's not completely true. And I want to answer, there was a very, very good question. I want to answer it from the Bible this morning, because I was actually, uh, that was the Lord's way of prepping us for the message this morning, really, because I want to talk about the very that very thing this morning. I think we all ache to see God do something. If you're a genuine born-again Christian, you want God to do something, your heart aches for it. And in a seminary class, Herbert Jackson told how, as a new missionary, he was assigned a car that just wouldn't start. After pondering his problem, he decided to get permission from a nearby school for some of the students that they could take some of the students out of their classroom early and give a few pu- a push down, you know, push the car to get it going again. And then he would skillfully either leave the car running while he was doing his rounds or else he park on a hill. Now some of us may remember the old thing of setting the car in second gear and jump starting it. <laughs> he may remember that. <laughs> you know, it's a bit embarrassing. I remember doing it myself a few times. But anyway, that was him and, and he was well happy with his situation. Well, anyway, ill health forced a dear missionary to leave the field early, and there was a replacement missionary that was coming to his station. So Jackson proudly began to explain his arrangement of getting the car started with the kids and then uh, letting it run down the hill in second gear and, and uh, leaving it running in other cases. In other uh, cases, and the new missionary wasn't really listening to Dr. Jackson, and he popped up the, the bonnet, looked under it, and saw a loose wire. Anyway, after fixing the, the cable, he said, I believe Dr. Jackson, we have fixed the problem. And Dr. Jackson turned the ignition, <laughs> the car got going again. You see, for two years, Dr. Jackson had faced needless trouble when the power was there all the time. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. The title of this morning's message is, The Holy Spirit Makes All the Difference. The Holy Spirit Makes All the Difference. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard, whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues, and they sorry, they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you again for bringing your people out to hear the good word of God. I pray you'd minister to their hearts. Lord, minister to their bodies where there's any issues there. But Lord, for those who can't be with us today, minister to them. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God will have freedom. Lord, work in our hearts and our lives. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Oh God, help us. Help us to know what that means. Lord, look at you. I am asking you to help us. I'm asking you to minister to us. I'm asking you to, Lord, to do what only you can do. We're weak. We're fragile. We need you. I don't know what else to say. We need you. I'm asking you to empower this message like only you can. And open our eyes to life in the Spirit in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First thing I want to share with you, number one, the disciples, thank you so much, the disciples operated without the Holy Spirit. Verse one and two. Um, before I go on, I, I, I remember speaking to a friend of mine about this, and he said, that's the, that's the mantra of the Baptists, who it says in verse two, we didn't know if there even was a Holy Spirit. You know, and that's, a, that's an indictment on us, but I want to tell you something. We need to look at this again. Verse one, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. There is much confusion, confusion regarding the Holy Spirit today. On the one side, you have those who will not stop talking about the Spirit, but it cannot be the Holy Spirit, since there's nothing holy about their lives. It's a different spirit. On the other side, you people who never talk about the Holy Spirit. And consequently, their lives are marked by powerlessness and defeat. Of course, you've got everything else in between. We all get that. And maybe for ourselves, we're probably somewhere in between. On what side, I'm not sure. You judge yourselves. But true disciples, who are so filled with the Holy Spirit, that both Christians and non-Christians say there's something really different about you. We need disciples like that, amen? amen? We need it. We all know we need it. And that's our challenge today. Because brethren, we generally do not live lives that are marked by the Holy Spirit. We're just being honest. I'm speaking for myself. I'm really convicted about this. I'm speaking to you all. We're all on equal ground. We generally do not live lives marked by the Holy Spirit of God. Too many of God's precious children seem to live as if the Holy Spirit was never sent from heaven on the day of Pentecost. So often we know nothing of his power to live Christ's life on earth. I mean, Jesus Christ came to give us life and he wants us to live his life and so often we just don't. We don't know enough of his victory over sin and over the flesh. We give in to our fears and we give in to our impulses. We spend more time confessing failure than rejoicing in victory. That's a problem. Rather than gaining territory for God, we find ourselves oftentimes walking around in circles like the children in the wilderness. Isn't that right? And that's not what we want. That's not what we want. 
We follow our hearts rather than following the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And quite frankly, sometimes we don't even know how to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, if we're honest. But wouldn't it be wonderful if biblical Christianity would come to life in 2021? Wouldn't it be wonderful that the Spirit of God would so move upon our lives that we would live the way they live in the New Testament? If he is, if that is to be, we need to see a work of the Holy Spirit again. We need to see it. There is much rega confusion regarding the Spirit today. The problem with these disciples, they didn't even have the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 2 again. At the end of this, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, we have no excuse because we know that the Holy Spirit, we may not always know how it works. We may have made a confusion ourselves. But the Apostle Paul must have noticed that there was something about their lives that they were lacking the Holy Spirit. Their lives must have evidenced a lack of power. And if he didn't notice it, he wouldn't have brought up the subject. That's why he asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? So the disciples operated without the Holy Spirit. But secondly, this morning, brethren, the disciples operated without biblical baptism. They operated without biblical baptism. Look at verse 3. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Now, they had received John's baptism unto repentance. That's what John's baptism was about. Luke chapter 3, verse 3 tells us that John came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So John preached, you need to repent. You need to repent. Change your ways. You're going the wrong way. You're being selfish. You're being self-willed. You're not serving God. You're not honoring God. Change your ways. Repent. Mark 1.5 there went out unto him all the land of Judea. Who is this guy with the leather clothes and the sackcloth and, and eating wild locusts and honey? Wow! How many people around here have a diet of wild locusts and honey? That's all I eat is wild locusts and honey. I mean, this guy would have drawn a lot of attention by him. And so people went everywhere to hear him. And, and, and all were baptized of him in the river Jordan confessing their sins because they knew he was right. They knew he was right. Old, text, Old Testament confession might have been confessing sins, but brethren, New Testament confession is a whole lot more than that. It involves more. These disciples, brethren, were stuck in the Old Testament. That was a problem. When John preached, he always directed his hearers to Christ. Look at verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that's on Jesus Christ. That was John's message. Look to the Messiah. Luke chapter 3 verse 16, John answered, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I come. I mean, don't get stuck in the Old Testament. There's something greater coming. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So either the Holy Ghost or judgment contextually. Okay, we won't look at that today. That was the central message of John. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Get ready for the Messiah. Get ready for the Messiah. His whole purpose of life was to, to draw attention to Jesus Christ. John lived 30 years, 31 years. We don't know how long, maybe. Maybe 31 years at the most. And his purpose of life was to draw attention to Jesus Christ. 
If you knew you only had 31 years of life, you could handle a diet of locusts and wild honey, amen? <laughs> he didn't need the Atkins diet, although it didn't help Atkins very much more that. He didn't need all these diet things. He just, he was just there to serve Christ. His whole purpose of life was to draw attention to Jesus Christ. What a ministry. What a reason to live. I mean, we have a video we need to watch again, I haven't watched it in a long time, put out by the Bill Rice Ranch many years ago, about a deaf man, and, and, and all he couldn't speak, but he got saved. And he would stop people on the road, and he'd point them to the cross, there was a cross at the side of the road, and he'd point to the cross, and people were stopping, saying, what, what man, he couldn't speak, and he'd just point to the cross, and people got saved, where's my son, pointing to a cross, isn't that wonderful? That's all he did, was point to the cross. John had that same purpose. Why are you here? What's your purpose of life? To point people to Jesus. Brethren, can I give you a shift in your thinking a little bit? Our purpose in life is not to see people saved. That's a very small purpose. It's very humanistic. It's man-centered. Our purpose in life is to point people to Jesus. Because the focus is not on that precious soul who needs to be saved. The focus should be on the Messiah who won our salvation on the cross. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Because you know, you can focus people on Christ. They're not just believers or unbelievers, they can be believers. If we live with the sole purpose of life to draw attention to Jesus Christ, we can bless people who are not saved and we can bless people who are saved. Isn't that right? Amen. That was John's purpose in life, to draw people to Christ. What a purpose. So when he preached repentance, dear brethren, it was not just repent of your sin, but repent of your attitude towards God. Repent of your sin against God. When you sinned, when you lied, when you stole, when you dishonored your parents, you just didn't sin against your parents, you sinned against God. Repent of, go to God and ask Him to forgive you. By the way, when you minister, or when you discipline your children, which is really ministering to them, because you do it in love, of course, but when you discipline your children, you should always get them to apologize to the Lord for their sin, isn't that right? Because all sin is against Jesus Christ. All sin is against our God. And John's message was, repent of your sin against God. Repent of living independently of God. That's a great sin in this age. You, you've been living your own way. You haven't considered the Lord. The reason why you haven't been saved, you haven't been considering the Lord. You need to repent of your attitude. You have offended God. Repent and ask God to forgive you. Repent and turn to Jesus Christ with John the Baptist's message. Biblical repentance, brethren, always causes you to look for the Messiah. Always does. Because if someone says, I'm so sorry I offended you, and they really are genuinely sorry, that's not repentance. It's, it's the sorrow of this world. But if they say, I'm really sorry I offended you because I grieved my God when I did that, that's biblical repentance. Do you see the difference? Because repentance, John, David said in the Psalms, against thee and thee only have I sinned. All sin is against God. And if people don't realize that sin is directly against God, they cannot repent. They are not repenting. You have to realize all sin is against God. John the Baptist would have taught his disciples that. But somehow these men missed that. They missed that message. They were baptized. They had repentance. But they didn't have New Testament repentance. Do you know what I'm saying? They were stuck in the Old Testament. So they received the baptism that pointed them to John. 
John was their hero. John was their example. I don't blame them for that. Listen, if you're living in a world that is pagan and you're living in a world that's occupied by the Romans and you're living in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be and there's sin everywhere and you, you can't find people who are who are serious about, about their lives and this is in Ephesus now and you can't find people who are serious about, about, about the faith and you see someone like John coming along and you're saying, yes, he's my hero. Here's someone, finally someone who stands up and speaks up. And willing to give his life for it. That's a, that's a man to follow. So they were disciples of John. Their boldness and their zeal was born out of a desire to follow John's life. They received the message of repentance and no doubt they lived it, but of course it was Old Testament repentance. Perhaps they learned to be very careful about their choices. Perhaps they kept each other accountable. That's a good thing, isn't it? Oh, for more of God's people to hold each other accountable. Pray for me, I'm struggling with this. I love when some of God's people come and say, please pray for me, I'm struggling with this. Watching out for each other, that's good, isn't it? We should do that with each other, holding each other accountable, holding ourselves accountable. Maybe they had that type of stuff going on and, and, and perhaps they received the baptism that pointed them to living a holy life. You know, We're going to be careful what we do. We're going to be careful about our choices. Be careful what we listen to and what entertainment we allow into our lives. We're going to be careful to, 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 to be Christian. Well, they wouldn't have been Christian or some in the Old Testament, but being as godly as we can be. But the problem was their baptism did not point them to Christ. That was a problem. And for that reason, their baptism didn't count. Their baptism didn't count. They needed a baptism that pointed them to faith in Christ alone for the complete remission of sins. So we saw this morning the disciples operated without the Holy Spirit. Secondly, they operated without a biblical baptism, but praise the Lord. Number three, the disciples submitted to biblical baptism. Look at verse five. When they heard this, they didn't fight they didn't argue. They didn't defend themselves. They got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. They just did what the Bible says. Years ago, I was doing a Bible study with a man, and, and uh, he was, we were going through the subject of baptism, and he said, you know, I've been baptized already. And I said, tell me about your baptism. And he got baptized in this denomination where they accept infants into their membership. Um, and uh, was part of the church. He said, I got baptized. I got baptized in the water. I got, in, I got underneath the water. I was baptized, like, you know, the Bible way, underneath the water. I said, but it wasn't a real church. He said, why is it not a real church? Because it was a mixture of believers and unbelievers. A church is meant to be a, a congregation of baptized believers, right? To get saved and then to get baptized. You can't have a mixture of believers and unbelievers and call it a church, because it's not. It's not. It's just a religion. Anyway, he said, show me in the Bible where somebody was, didn't get it right the first time they got baptized again. I took him to Acts, Acts chapter 19. He said, baptize me now. <laughs> well, I didn't baptize him right away. Praise the Lord. But, but we, he, he got baptized pretty quickly after that. I thank God for his humility. He was humble enough to say, you know what? It's not my fault. My heart was right. But it wasn't right the first place because it wasn't scriptural, but I want to get it right now. And you know, John's disciples could have said, you know, I've had baptism. You, you want to baptize me in water? I was baptized in water. You, you want me to go underneath the water, come out again? I was baptized in the water, came out again. No, but we didn't get it right because it wasn't right. It wasn't right when Paul established it wasn't right. 
they got it right. Baptize me now. Praise the Lord for that. The baptism they received was by immersion. Immersion underneath, underneath the water. Immersed. They were immersed. They were immersed the way John immersed the repentant. They were completely submerged in water underneath. They were immersed as adults, not because someone said they needed it to be, not because they were following someone else, but because they wanted to be. And that's the reason you get baptized. What do you do next? Get baptized? Okay, we'll do that. No! Do you want to be baptized? Do you want to tell the world you're a Christian? Then get baptized. They were immersed for one reason only. They believed on Christ. They believed on Christ. But they were immersed after putting their faith in Christ. And this is the difference. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Keep your marker there in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 36. Now as we're seeing things here, they're correcting things in their lives, brethren. They're doing what God wants them to do. They're not fighting it. They're not scrapping against it. They're not arguing against it. They're not putting their foot down. They're just saying, God, whatever you want me to do. That's what disciples think. That's what disciples think. Lord, whatever you want me to do, just show me. I'll do it. I'll do it. Acts chapter 8, look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, now this is not the disciples. This is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. But I want to see the picture here. As they went on their way, this is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. They came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What stopped me get baptized? I want to be baptized. Verse 37. Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He just come to celebrate one of the feasts. I can't remember was it Passover, Pentecost, one of those feasts. And uh, he was... He read Isaiah, he knew the Messiah had to suffer on the cross, well, had to suffer for his sins, and Philip preached Christ dying on the cross, and, and, and the eunuch got saved. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Baptism is meaningless. Unless you know exactly why you're being immersed. You've got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. If you do it because your parents said to do it, it doesn't mean anything. You do it because you want to do it. It's you and God. So salvation is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Baptism is all about, about following Jesus Christ. It's your relationship. Nobody else can give you a relationship. You've got to get it for yourself, right? It's your own relationship. And you've got to believe that the person and the work, you've got to believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's central. Verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for all your sins? I definitely believe that. Do you believe he died for your past, present, and future sins? Yeah, he died for all. He believed. Do you believe he rose again the third day? Yes, I believe. And so he was ready to be baptized. He baptized them. And you know, Christ is our substitutionary atonement. Those are big words to mean Christ died in our place. We're the ones that had, should have suffered. We're the ones that should have been punished. But Christ took our punishment. 
He was punished in our place. He was our substitute. And then he made an atonement. He paid for our sin. He is our substitutionary atonement. As God, he died for all of our sins. And they were nailed to the cross. Brethren, he died for all of our sins. He didn't die for some of our sins. He didn't. Some, some Christian denominations believe only, Jesus only died for some of your sins. You've got to work out the rest of it. And he didn't die for most of our sins. Some believe, well, if you do enough bad stuff, you lose your salvation. Then if you can lose your salvation, Christ didn't die for all of your sins. He died for most of them, maybe, but not all of them. But I'm here to tell you this morning, Christ died for all of our sins. Amen. All of them. Which means you can't lose it. You can't lose something you never earned. It's his salvation, not ours. And he gives it as a gift not because you were good enough to get it, because you're not, and neither am I, neither am I, none of us are. But praise God for his grace. By grace are you saved, the Bible says. Our salvation is all about God's grace. And these men got it, and they were baptized, knowing they were forgiven, knowing they were saved. They knew they were saved. Why are you going into the water? Because I'm saved, I'm not saved. He said, I'm definitely going to have 100% sure. I'm 1,000% sure. I know mathematically it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you get the point. They were immersed after putting their faith in Christ. And these disciples were immersed, identifying with Jesus Christ. When people go into the water, brethren, they're picturing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about. That is meaningless to a baby, and it's meaningless if you don't know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're saying, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they were baptized considering that, but biblical baptism is such a wonderful picture because it identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What, which means that when Christ died on the cross, he wasn't dying for himself, he was dying for me. So I died with him. And when Christ was buried, he wasn't being buried for himself, I was buried with him. My whole life is gone. And if there's a hint in your life where you say, I don't want to give up the old life, you have no business getting baptized. Because your picture is breaks down. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, not for some of your sins, not for most of your sins, but for all of your sins. Therefore, it all has to be left behind, amen? Just leave it behind. And then Christ rose again. Christ rose again, for, broke the power of sin, death, and hell. Power of your sin has been broken. And people who go in the water and they come out again, they, they, they're making a statement, I want to live in the newness of life of Jesus Christ. I want to live my, my whole life behind. I don't want to laugh about my, the, way, the times I got drunk. I don't want to joke about the times that I did drugs. I don't want to, to joke about the movies I used to watch that were you know, full of filth and immorality and, and violence and evil. You know, that's stuff I did in my teenage years and maybe you did as well. I don't want to joke about that stuff anymore. That's all behind it. It's on the cross. I got nailed to the cross. Amen. That stuff is buried in the waters of baptism. When I told the world I'm, I'm, I have decided to follow Jesus, no, no turning back. The old life is behind me. It's gone. I'm gone. I'm a new, a new, a new creature in Christ. Because of Jesus, life would never be the same again. And their baptism was a public testament to whoever was there for those 12 men. I'm starting all over again. I didn't get it right the first time, but I see the truth of Scripture now. I'm convinced. I believe in the Messiah, I'm going forward. And so my question to you this morning is this, have you been saved? 
Have you been saved? Have you been biblically baptized after you got saved to declare your salvation? If you have been, you need to declare your salvation. People need to know you're saved. Because if people don't step forward to be baptized, then it's, well, I think they're saved. They say they're saved, but you know what? When you get baptized, you're declaring, I am saved. I am saved. It's like, it's like the, the man who was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ and people were arguing, is he the man? Ask his parents. Is, is he the man? He, he talks like him. He looks like him. But, but how is this miracle? And he spoke up. He says, I am the man. Time for you to speak up. If you've been saved, speak up. Speak up, Christian. And declare with your baptism, I am saved. And your life is behind. And this is where it really gets exciting. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Acts 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So number four, the, number one, the disciples operated without the Holy Spirit. Number two, they operated without biblical baptism. Number three, they submitted to baptism, biblical baptism. And number four, the disciples received the power of the Holy Ghost. They received the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, they received it by the hands of an apostle. Four times in scripture, you see the Holy Spirit being poured out in the book of Acts. First, it was upon the Jews. Peter was there. Second, it was upon the Samaritans. Peter was there. Third is upon the Gentiles. Peter was there, Acts chapter 10. Second was Acts, Acts chapter 2 was the first one. Acts chapter 8 was the second one. Acts chapter 10 was the third one. This time, finally, Acts chapter 19, not Peter this time, Paul. Finally, upon the Jews who repented, who had not heard the gospel, until the apostle Paul came and teached and baptized them, then they received the Holy Spirit. Because this was all new, this message was new, you know, when Paul went around different countries, he went into Ephesus, and he went into to Galatia, and he went into Asia Minor, and all these different countries and different, different areas. And when, when he went from country to country, city to city, when he was preaching, it was a new message. So to, to, to declare, we talked about it this morning in Sunday school class, to declare that this was of God. God gave them miracles. God gave them signs. He gave them special manifestations. Oftentimes the Spirit was sent with special miracles and gifts of being able to miraculously speak in foreign languages. But like we got off to Joe and started speaking Tagalog and he's like, David, will you learn Tagalog? And God just gave me this gift. I could just do it. And that's what it was like. Today, that's what it was back then. They received the Spirit at the hands of the Apostles initially. But today it's different. Today the Bible teaches us when you get saved, Listen to me, brethren. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Romans 8, verse 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Bible says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. You say, I don't think I have the Holy Spirit. Well, then let's talk about salvation. Let's talk about Jesus dying on the cross. Let's talk about repentance. Let's talk about how you can get saved. But if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift God has given to every Christian. John chapter 14 teaches us, when you get saved, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all come and live inside you. Amen. God is in you. The hope of glory is in you. And here's the thing. He wants to work powerfully in your life and in my life. He does. He wants to work powerfully. Now, how does that happen? Listen to me. 
If you want God to work powerfully in your life, you have to give him freedom. You've got to give him freedom. You know, John, when, 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 when John was younger, um, uh, as a kid, and I mean, it was probably with all of our kids, you know, you want to show them something. No, no, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. You know, and maybe Hannah was baking cakes when she was like four with her, with her mom. She's a great cook now, she's a great job. And John's actually a really good cook as well. But anyway, but maybe let's pick on Hannah, because I'm always picking on John. I'll pick on you later, son. But anyway, that, so Hannah's there baking. No, let me do it. And, and oh yeah, this really does happen. She put in all this, you meant to put two tea, teaspoonfuls of, of baking powder. She put in like two tablespoons or two cups or something like that. And so it's like, oh, what happened? This is nasty. But she was only four, so it was okay. But see, the point is, Kids want to do things on their own. They want to do it for themselves. They want their independence when they're four. Okay? But you know what? And sometimes we want to children too. But anyway, leave that. But the point is, sometimes you're not ready to do it. You need the power. You need the help. And brethren, we are sometimes needing so much help from God. And the Lord's saying, it's over here. And, and the Lord's trying to show us. And we're like, get your hand out of the way, Lord. I, I, I want to do this myself. And God is saying, I want to help you here. Lord, get, get out of the way. I want to do this myself. And we're trying to figure out stuff ourselves. We're trying to do stuff ourselves. But we don't have the power. Only God has the power. And it's available to us. Because we have the Holy Spirit. But we're quenching him. And we're grieving him. And God is looking down from heaven saying, I want to do so much for me. And for you. But we're stopping him. Brethren, I'm grieved when I preach and the Spirit of God doesn't move mightily in the congregation. And I'm going to be completely honest. I have no one to blame but myself. I'm just being completely honest with you. I need the power of God. But I'm not the only one. We're all in the same boat. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can spend all our time making excuses for how wicked this world is. And it's 2021. And we're right at the end of our, at the point of rapture. But brethren, we live, until we get honest with ourselves and honest with God, we're never going to have the power of God upon our lives. Amen. We just have to come clean. God, I have a part to play in this too. The stuff I need to do. When I read my Bible... I see what happens when the Spirit of God falls upon people. Verse 6, Acts chapter 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now we talked about tongues in the Sunday school class. It's a sign gift. It's gone. It's over with. We don't deal with tongues anymore. Because they're, they're, the tongues were languages, like French or German or Greek or Latin or, or, or Italian or whatever. You know? And it was a sign gift, and it ceased. The Bible tells us it ceased. But it also said they prophesied. Now the prophesying can be in two things. It can be foretelling the future, which has ceased as well, has failed. So those prophecies, they shall fail. First Corinthians 13. But there's another side to prophesying, that's preaching. Preaching. Teaching. And brethren, when I read my Bible, I see when the Spirit of God came upon people, all they wanted to do was proclaim Christ. And that's how you know someone's filled with the Spirit of God. Because all they want to do is exalt Christ. That's how you know. And if people start talking about themselves, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
And if they start drawing attention to themselves or what they can do or the power that they think they have, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They're, they're filled with some other spirit. But when they draw attention to Jesus Christ and they say, amazing grace has sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm a hell-bound, I, I should be hell-bound, undeserving sinner, but Jesus died for this wretch. Praise God for his grace. That's someone who's more likely to be filled with the Spirit of God, isn't it? John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. There's too many people who want to increase. Most people are never going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Not a hope. And they can make it up. I can make it up. You can make it up in our own little way. But we're only fooling ourselves. And I don't want to fool myself anymore. I don't think we should fool ourselves. I think we should be filled with the Spirit of God. Can you hear me, man? For that? I think we should be filled with the Spirit of God. When I look at the Holy Spirit of God filling people, I, I read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power, dunamis, dynamite power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Spirit of God has come upon you, and ye shall be martyreto, martyria, should I say, witnesses, martyrs unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Brethren, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, when the Spirit of God fills you, when the Spirit of God has freedom in your life, all you want to do is proclaim Christ in every Everywhere you go. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you know what it's like to be right with God. You know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, that is. You know what it's like to be excited about God. And all you want to do is share your faith. Isn't that true? And the reason why you stopped is you should not feel the Spirit of God. And the reason why I stopped and got cold and became lethargic and became dead. And just going through the motions because it's the right thing to do. Because I'm not filled with the Spirit of God. It's not right. But I know the answer. I know the answer. Early Christians were commanded by Jesus Christ to, to preach the gospel. And, and they willingly obeyed. Mark 16, verse 15, he said of them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they said, Sure, let's go. Filled with the Spirit of God. It motivates you to do the things you don't naturally want to do. Who wants to go up to a stranger and say, Excuse me, can I give you this gospel leaflet? Are you 100% sure of heaven? And as the guy said to me last week, do people ever tell you just to clear off? Honestly, I thought it was funny. But if my heart wasn't prepared, I might have been offended. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we all have the same flesh. You could be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit and you're a Spirit-filled disciple, it naturally becomes part of your life. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And, and literally, it, when, when it says, go ye therefore, it's not a command, it's as you are going, because it's in, it, it's a, in the, um, it's a gerund, I can't remember the English term, but, but it has ing at the end of it. A participle, that big word there, participle. As you're going, teach. So you know that as you're going along, teach. It's what you do when you're filled with the Spirit of God. When you're Spirit-filled, you naturally desire to imitate Christ. Sometimes we struggle. God has to fight with us to change. Isn't that right? All of us. No, I mean, we're all talking about... We're not, I'm not going to stand before you. Here, here's the example of the spiritual person following me. I'm not going to lie to you. We don't naturally want to imitate Christ. We like our own lives. But we've got to be willing to give it up to follow Christ. What shall a man 
give in exchange for soul? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? Give it up. Give it up, me a follower of Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 21, Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father had sent me, so send I you. Be a follower of me, be a follower of Jesus. It is not just about seeing people saved, it's about magnifying Christ. Paul lived to magnify Christ in his body. And 20th century Christianity reduced Christianity to seeing people saved. I think it was a great dishonor to God. Now, do we want to see people saved? Yes. But it's not the primary goal. It's not. The primary goal is to magnify Christ. And if I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men unto myself. That's what the Bible says. And he was lifted up on the cross, but we need now to magnify him and magnify his work and tell the world what a great saviour we have and let them know what they're missing. Because if Christians keep talking about Christ the way he should be talked about, people will start to think, maybe I'm missing something here. Because maybe they are. I think we know they are. Isn't that right? Brethren, the issue is we're not filled with the Spirit of God. That's the issue. But the, the, the apostles were, verse 8, look at verse 8 of our text, Acts 19, verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Paul was a machine. He would go into a city, they'd kick him, they'd beat him, they'd, they'd whip him, and he'd say, up again, <coughs> let's go, that's the next one. And the last one, Paul, are you sure? Yep, let's go. He goes in and preaches the gospel again. Oh, here's the rabble from the last town. They're coming to get you. And he'd get another hiding. And then he'd say, and then he'd, he'd lick his wounds and went in prison. Have a few days to recuperate. Off he's off to the next synagogue, preaching the gospel again, getting more abuse. He never got the point that whenever you go to a synagogue, you get a hiding. <laughs> but maybe he did get the point. And he said, you know, it's worth it. When you're filled with the Spirit of God. Because he wanted to magnify Christ in spite of there was nothing more important in the world. Brethren, I love my life too much. I love my comforts. I love my standard of living. And so do you. I think that's half our problem. Because we're too, we're too comfortable. But take away that comfort, take away everything you have. Are we followers of Jesus? It takes the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Christians are lethargic and powerless. Before the Spirit of God came, the disciples hid behind locked doors, filled with fear. Before the Spirit came to Jerusalem, the disciples remained in the upper room, powerless. But when the Spirit of God came down upon them, they got off their seats and they did something for God. And that's the difference. That's when you know the Spirit of God is working. Because people are like, let's go. Let's go. Holy Spirit of God filled them with unexplained boldness and they preached the gospel with power. Imagine preaching the gospel and just the Spirit of God just convicting people. I've seen that before. I was in the Philippines, I saw God work. The Spirit of God was working over there. I see that in America. I don't see it so much here. I think it's a bit tougher here, isn't it? But the Spirit of God is the same. Yeah. 
And he has the power we don't have. Brethren, we're grieving over our loved ones. And I have to ask the question, where's the Spirit of God in all this? We're grieving over our failures. Where's the Spirit of God in all this? The Spirit of God bore witness to the message of Christ and thousands were, were converted when I read my Bible. And the question is, what has happened to our churches in 2021? What has happened to us as believers? Being ruthlessly honest, we're not experiencing what we're, re we're reading out of the book of Acts. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit wasn't sent. If, or, can we be honest? Isn't it like that? Yeah. Can we be honest? We need to see the Spirit of God working in our lives, in our loved ones to convert them. We need to see him working in our community to stir people to respond to the gospel. We need to see the power of God working in our church. But let me ask you the question, are you giving him a chance? Am I giving him a chance? Are we allowing him first place in our lives? Is he on the throne of our hearts? Does the spirit have freedom to lead and guide us? Does he have the freedom to convict and change us? Or are we just fighting with him all the time? If you have a child that fights with you all the time and you want to do something with them, you, just, you sort of give up, don't you? Because they're not making it easy on you. And I think we do the same with the Spirit of God. We don't need to. And we must stop. We must allow him. Is he giving us victories that we desperately need? Do we carefully listen to his still small voice? That's the hard thing. You want God to take a stick and whack you. And you say, okay, Lord, I surrender. This isn't MMA with God, brethren. The Spirit of God speaks with a still, small voice, and he has nothing in his hands, only a still, small voice. And you want him to whip you over the head and give you a hind, and he's not going to do it. He is not looking for conscripts. He's looking for volunteers. And that's what he wants. He wants you from your heart to respond. He wants me from my heart to respond. Is he empowering our service? I know every genuine Christian desires him to work. I know, I mean, I hear you. I see your responses. You know you want this. I want it too. But let's ask, our, let's ask this question. What's my part in all this? Perhaps your part is you need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to bow the knee and, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what you need to do. And maybe this is a tough one for you. Maybe you need to be baptized. You're like, I don't want to do this. But maybe that's the next step God has for you. You know you've been saved and get baptized. Maybe you have to surrender to do something God's been convicting you about. You put it, you put it on the shelf and, oh, he, here he's off again. And I didn't mention it, but the Spirit of God did. Maybe you need to deal with that issue in your heart. Maybe you need to give up a sin that's grieving you. What is your part? What's your part in seeking the work of God? We need to ask that question. Because the Holy Spirit of God makes all the difference. Let's go to the Lord prayer. Father. Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video, or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again, and God bless.